So wonderful uh, to preach now in light of that. I want to look at a message today, a brief message, a brief Easter Sunday message out of Luke chapter 24. And so if you uh, need a Bible, uh, you can raise your hand. If you have one, you can go to Luke 24 and we'll have the passage on the screen as well. I'm going to preach a message entitled, The God Who Surprises Us. The God who surprises us. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. It's a lengthy passage, but I think it's important to hear it in its entirety. It's a good way of rehearing and retelling the Easter story and the ways that God comes to us in very surprising ways. And so Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, hear the word of the Lord. It says, now the same day, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going far farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to and, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray together. Lord, we open ourselves up to you now. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, may our hearts burn as well. As the scriptures are proclaimed this Easter day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to begin my sermon today with a very simple question, and the question is, have you ever been surprised? Ever been surprised? In a good way, have you ever been surprised? Have you ever had something come your way that you weren't expecting that impacted your life positively? 
A good surprise might be a bigger income tax return than you were expecting. Amen. A good surprise might be a party that friends planned without you knowing. A good surprise might be the Knicks winning a championship in the next 40 years. Uh, that might be a miracle, but, um, but we hold on in faith. Uh, some of the best surprises, however, come in the form of unexpected visits from someone that we haven't seen in some time. It's one of the reasons I love good homecoming videos. Whether it's a military homecoming that a, uh, that a family wasn't expecting of their military man or woman coming from overseas, whether it's a missionary homecoming where they were doing work overseas and came back home, whether it's a college homecoming where a student comes home to visit their parents, there's something beautiful about these homecomings. Last night, I, I, I Googled or, or went on YouTube and just typed in homecoming, and for the next 20, 25 minutes, I was watching all these homecoming and just crying and crying. The dogs got excited when people got home. I was like, this is beautiful. There's something beautiful and wonderful about a homecoming. And what we see in the Easter story is the greatest homecoming in human history, the greatest homecoming in human history, and a surprise at that. The resurrection of Jesus is the biggest surprise in human history. On Good Friday, Jesus is crucified, crucified before his followers, crucified before witnesses. Everyone's hopes are dashed. And then Sunday comes. And when Sunday comes, we are surprised with a homecoming story. And we see that God has a way of surprising us when we least expect it. And this is what I wanted to draw out, this truth here, that Easter reveals a God who surprises us with grace when we least expect it. God, Easter reveals a God who surprises us with grace in the midst of our disappointments. And this is what we see in this passage here, a surprise of grace in the midst of disappointment. Now, when we pick up in our story, we have two characters. We don't know much about who they were, but we do know that they were disappointed. And Jesus is about to surprise them. The reason they were disappointed was because Jesus, the one who they put their hope in, had been killed. And in the face of their disappointment, it's interesting to see the direction that they go. In verse 13, we see what happens. It says, now the same day of the death of Jesus, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. I want you to notice something, that because of their disappointment, their disappointment, their dashed hopes had them walk away from the epicenter of God's presence. They're moving away from Jerusalem in the other direction. And this is what disappointment does for us. This is what disorientation does for us. This is what dashed hopes do to us. Whenever we experience disappointment, whenever we experience disorientation, whenever our hopes and dreams don't come to pass, we find a way moving in the other direction. Here they are seven miles from Jerusalem. And this is a reminder that we are always constantly moving in one direction or another. We're either moving towards God or we're moving away from God. And here they are, because of their disappointment, moving away from God. And so as they're walking, Jesus comes alongside them. It says in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. While they were walking away from Jesus, 
Jesus finds them. And I love that. Jesus finds them. Far away from Jerusalem, and Jesus finds them. It's interesting to see in the Bible a contrast. Before Jesus died and resurrected, the disciple, Jesus was always the one who was moving away from his disciples because he needed prayer, he needed to get away, and the disciples were always finding him. After he dies and resurrects, the disciples are now the ones who are wandering. And over and over again, after he's resurrected, Jesus is the one who finds them. And it reminds me of the good news of the gospel, and it is this, that Christianity is fundamentally not about our disciplined pursuit of God. Christianity fundamentally is about God's disciplined pursuit of you. God will hunt you down with his love. God will chase you down. And God finds these two disciples who are far away from the epicenter of God's presence in Jerusalem. And Jesus follows them and comes alongside of them. And so Jesus begins to ask questions. And he says, what's, what's going on? And, and they respond with this question. They say, you don't know what's going on? They said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? It's an ironic question. The one who knows all things is being asked, are you a visitor? You don't, you don't know what's going on here? The one who knows everything is being asked, do you know what's going on? And Jesus presses them even, even further. No, what's going on? And they respond with these words. This is about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And then three words, three important Easter words. We had hoped. Those are three important Easter words. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And those three words is where I want to park my time here for a little bit. Those three words capture the human experience. Those three words capture our own personal stories the stories of people outside of this building, the stories of the people outside of this city, the, the story of people all over the world. We had hoped. We had hoped he was the one. We had hoped he was the Messiah. We had hoped he would restore to us our proper place. We had hoped he would rescue us. And their words are really our words. We had hoped. Hope. Maybe you've said that in recent days. Maybe in the form of, I had hoped. Maybe you've said, I had hoped to be married by now. Maybe you say, I had hoped to have a better marriage by now. Maybe you've said, I had hoped to have children by this age. I had hoped to pay off my student loans by this time. I had hoped that I would be in my dream job. I had hoped that I would be healed from my past traumatic experiences. I had hoped that God would answer my deepest prayers. We all know what it's like to say, I had hoped. What do you do when the things you hope for don't come to pass? In the case of these two men, they wander off. Now, beyond their hopes and dreams not coming to fulfillment, they had another problem before them. And the problem before them was very simply that Jesus was walking right next to them and they couldn't see it. Jesus is walking right next to them and they couldn't see it. And if we cannot recognize the presence of Jesus in our midst, we will find ourselves perpetually 
stuck. Never living into the future of the fullness and freedom that God has for us. If we don't know this important bit of truth, we will find ourselves stuck. It reminds me of an article that came out in the BBC a couple of years ago. It was a story, and the headline of the story was entitled, Japanese soldier who spent 29 years unaware World War II has ended, dies at age of 91. There was a soldier, a Japanese soldier, named Hiro Onada, who lived in the jungles of the Philippines, unaware that the war had ended. From 1945... To 1974, he lived afraid for his life, not knowing that the war was over, not knowing that there was a new future before him, not knowing that there was freedom ahead of him. And as I look at the story of these two men on Emmaus Road, they are like this Japanese soldier. They lived without the awareness that the great war had come to an end. What great war? Well, Jesus Christ died, was crucified, and he resurrected. And when he resurrected, he announced that the great war that sin and death was having on this world has come to an end. He has, he has killed death in his resurrection. The great war had come to an end, that sin had been forgiven, that the enemy had been defeated, but they did not know this reality. And so because they did not live with the knowledge that Jesus was alive, they found themselves downcast. Now, what's interesting about our day is we have a very similar problem, but it's a bit different. Because in their context, in their day, they did not know, they did not have the head knowledge that Jesus was alive. We know the story. We know how the story ends. We have the the book in our hands. We know the script. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We know all that. We have head knowledge that he's alive. What we often miss is heart knowledge that he is alive. The question is, in your life, in your circumstances, how risen is Jesus for you? How risen is he? Because you can believe in your mind that he's alive, but not truly grasp that reality with your heart. I'm reminded of John 11, the story of Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. Their brother Lazarus was sick. And so when their brother Lazarus was sick, they, they, they called Jesus. We got to get Jesus over here. And so I imagine they send Jesus a text message. Jesus, you need to get back over here. And they sent him a text. And, and, and I imagine they know Jesus got the message. You know when you send someone a text message and it says red, like they got the message, but they haven't responded? It's like, what's going on? And then the three dots come up and you're wondering, oh, they're going to say something. And then they don't say something. And you're wondering, why haven't they said anything back here? They know Jesus got the message. But Jesus didn't respond. He didn't say, be right there. He, he didn't say, I'll be there. He doesn't respond at all. The next day it goes by, Jesus is still not there. Another day goes by, Lazarus is dead. Then Jesus decides to say, I'm coming. And he comes over. People are weeping and wailing. And Martha, if you know the story of the Bible, Martha is always rebuking Jesus. She's always trying to put Jesus in his place. And Jesus gets there, and she runs to the front of the house and says, where were you? If you were here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus tries to settle Martha down. He's always trying to settle Martha down. And he says these words to Martha. He says, Martha, your brother 
will rise again. And she gets all theological on him. And she goes, I know he's going to get up again at the end, of the, uh, the end of human history. And Jesus stands before her and says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Now, what's fascinating is Martha had good faith for the end of human history. She has zero faith for the moment. Many of us believe with our head, oh, yeah, everything's going to work out in the end. But we don't have faith that it's going to work out now. Here's the question. How risen is Jesus for you today? That's the question, isn't it? We're going to say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. And you're going to go back home. And you're going to look at your, your spouse. You're going to look at your job. You're going to look at your finances and wonder, I don't know how risen he is. The question is not, is he risen in your head? The question is, how risen is he in your heart? And Jesus comes to Martha and lets him, I am the resurrection, I am the life. He is risen. And so this Jesus comes alongside these two disciples. He has a conversation with them. And the story says that they could not recognize him. And I wonder, how, why couldn't they recognize him? And a, and a couple of reasons come to mind. It says they were headed west. Perhaps the sun was setting, the sun was in their eyes, and, and they didn't have any visors on. They didn't have any sunglasses, no blue blockers. Remember the blue blockers back in the day? Anyway, and, and so uh, they didn't have any shades on. And so maybe they couldn't recognize him because the sun was in their eyes. Maybe they couldn't recognize him because he had a glorified body. He looked a little different. And so maybe they couldn't recognize him. Or perhaps they did not really believe what he said, that he would be back. And because they were not expecting him to be back, they, could, they didn't even anticipate he'd be with them. And sometimes we have no expectation at all. And we fail to see that God is actually closer to us than we can even understand or believe. We miss him, don't we? I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is walking right alongside you. And many of us, because of the pace of life, because of our frequent distractions, because of our, the expectations that we have, we fail to see the ways that Jesus is walking alongside of us. The good news of Easter is Jesus walks close to us. You have a broken heart today? Jesus is walking near you. Lost your job? Jesus is present to you. Sick in your body, Jesus is walking right next to you. Dreams and hopes not fulfilled, Jesus is closer to you than you think. And what I love about the story is Jesus is with them. They're having a conversation, and, and he's about to keep going, and they say to him, no, 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 it's too late. They have a good culture of hospitality. They say, why don't you come in? And they sit down, and Jesus at this moment begins to open up the scriptures to them. Could you imagine a Bible study with Jesus? He opens up the scriptures with them and starts having a conversation. And it says these words, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Jesus saying, I am the central story, uh, the central figure of this book. And they still don't get it. They still don't know it's Jesus right before them. And then the moment of revelation happens. How does it happen? Well, they start eating a meal. They start eating bread. And Jesus is before them and he breaks the bread. And they go, wait a minute, this looks familiar. 
I imagine he, he starts pouring the wine. They're saying, we've, we've seen this before. And Jesus breaks the bread and it says, as he breaks the bread, this is an image of intimacy, an image of communion, an image of relationship. As he breaks the bread, this is what it says in the next verse. In verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Look what it doesn't say. It does not say, at that moment, they opened their eyes and saw him. Listen, you can't open your eyes. Only God can open your eyes. Only God can open. You can't open your eyes at all. Only God has the power to open your eyes. But what you can do is position yourself in an environment where eyes can be opened. They're in an environment of intimacy, an environment of feasting an environment of relationship. And in that context, Jesus opens their eyes. And at that moment, look what it says. They go back to Jerusalem. They go back to Jerusalem. That's the essence of repentance. I've tasted something from God, and now I'm turning back home. And as I turn back home, the Father welcomes us with open hands. They come back to the one who has opened their eyes. Eyes. And so here are four very simple observations out of this text that we can go home with. The first one is this. God is closer than you think in times of disappointment. I want to tell you right now, some of you, you you're coming from a, a, from a home, from a job. You're coming from a life in which there's a lot of disappointment. And I want to tell you, as this passage says, God is closer than you think in times of disappointment. And your relational disappointment, your financial disappointment, your career disappointment, whatever disappointment you have, Jesus is closer to you than you think. Secondly, disappointment is often the way to experiencing resurrection. Many of us, we want Easter without Good Friday. We want resurrection without the crucifixion. But it doesn't work in God's kingdom like that. We do not get Easter without Good Friday. We do not get the resurrection without the crucifixion. And so in the midst of our suffering, we are being positioned, brothers and sisters, for a resurrection that is to come. Which is why if you're suffering right now, oh, oh, oh you're in good company. If, if you're suffering right now, this might be a setup from God. God, God might have something in store for you, resurrection in store for you. And so if you're suffering right now, hold on to Jesus because he majors in resurrections. And he can bring newness out of your life, newness out of your marriage, newness out of your finances, newness out of your entire life. Resurrection is coming. The third thing I want you to see is that only God can open your eyes, brothers and sisters. Only God can open your eyes. Some 20 years ago, my eyes were opened. 20 years ago. Me and some 14 family members in a small storefront church in East New York, Brooklyn, a church called Alca de Salvacion, came and heard a message that God can open up blind eyes. And in one moment, 15 of us said yes to Jesus Christ. The presence of God was so powerful in that small church. Entire families were coming to Jesus. The presence of God was rescuing. God was rescuing people over and over and over. If my dog was there, my dog would have come to Jesus as well. I had a chihuahua. His name was Milo. 
I know Satan was in him. And, 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 and if he came to church, he would have said, forgive me of my sins as well, Jesus. I've rescued me too in the name of Jesus. God, God's presence was moving so powerfully that we came to Jesus. Our blind eyes opened. Only God can help you see the bigger picture. And lastly, we confess that Jesus is risen. That he is working in surprising ways that you cannot often see. And so here, here it is, brothers and sisters. Some of us, we're on our journey. We're walking. And you're disappointed. You're downcast. But Easter reminds us that God has a way of showing up when you least expect it. And the invitation of Easter is to come back home. For some of us, as the story began in verse 13, they're walking away from the very presence of God, the epicenter of God's activity. And when they encounter the risen Jesus, they come back home. And when you come back home, we don't have a God who says, where you been? We don't have a God who says, now you're coming back, huh? We have a God who welcomes us home. I'm reminded of the prodigal son story. The prodigal son story is the story of grace. It is, it is really the story of the gospel, the story of Christianity, where a younger son asked for his inheritance, which is essentially in that culture, he said, Dad, can you give me my stuff? And in that culture, that meant drop dead, Dad, can I get my stuff? And the father gives him his portion of the inheritance. And he goes off into a foreign country, walks away, and he spends all his money, he's broke, there's a famine in the land, he's eating from the pig's slop, and then he says, wait a minute, there's some food in my father's house. If I just come back and say, dad, I, I, I don't have to be treated as a son, I can just be a servant. Just treat me as a servant, I, I, I'm just hungry. And he comes back, and as he's coming back, the father, I imagine, is looking outside the window, waiting for his son to come. And as the father sees him, the father doesn't have his belt ready to just, oh, now you're back. Huh? You wasted all my money, and now you're back. <laughs> the father sees the son broken, tattered, torn, and the father begins to run to his son, and he embraces his son. Henry Nouwen, I love what he says. He says that the son simply came. The, the son does not return because he had a change of heart, per se. He returns because he was hungry. And the father, that was good enough reason for him to come home. Listen, whatever reason you want to come to God today, God says, welcome home. Even if it's just to eat, welcome home. I'll take you back. Welcome home. And this is the story of the gospel. They encounter the risen Jesus, they come back home, and they come back to a God who welcomes them with open hands. Here's the question, which direction are you going? Are you walking away from the epicenter of God's activity? Or are you coming home? Easter reminds us and gives us a message. Come on home. God is waiting for you with open hands. He is risen. Amen. Let's pray together. Let me invite you to close your eyes for a moment. The question is, which direction are you going? Where are you headed? For some of you today, maybe this is your first time in a setting like this, and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you've never said yes to his love, and today you might be 
feeling like you are wandering from God. You might feel far from God. But there is no distance too far that God cannot reach you. And today the invitation is very simply to turn to him. Even if you said in your heart a simple prayer like, Lord, forgive me my sins. I want to come home. Rescue me. Save me. Forgive me. And as we say that with the heart of faith, that can be the, the beginning of a life of transformation and salvation. For some of you, maybe you've been coming to church every Sunday, but your heart is far from God. And the invitation is the same for you. Come home. I love you with an everlasting love. Lord Jesus, we give you praise and we celebrate the fact that you are risen. That because of your resurrection, sin and death no longer have authority. Lord, teach us to be resurrection people. People marked by new life, people marked by joy and peace, people marked by healing and transformation. And may our eyes be opened to see you, to welcome you, to feast with you. We sing to you now, Lord, words of praise and worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing together. Lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way, let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me.
Jesus Christ. Darkness rejoices though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested. team just come forward and because of the crowded space over here uh, let's have the prayer team come up front here and whoever's going to offer the bread and the cup our sister Awilda just to come there we close our services with prayer I'm going to bless you in a moment and our prayer team will be here at the end of our service if you want to receive prayer for some of you you've never said yes to Jesus Christ you've never said yes to him and he loves you with an everlasting love and he's calling you by name you say, well, I don't understand the Bible. I, I don't know what's this or that. doesn't matter at all. 20 years ago when I said yes to Jesus, I had no clue about anything. All I knew was I needed help. All I knew was I couldn't live this way by myself and my own strength. All I knew was with the problems that I'm facing, I need a power greater than myself to get through. And that's what brought me to Jesus Christ. And I started learning more and more about his power, about his love, about his grace. So for some of you, you're facing obstacles, you're in trouble. Listen, God wants to help you. God wants to draw you to himself. And so our prayer team, if you're going to pray, just why don't you come right in the front here as well, just closer there so folks can just see you. And for whatever need you have, we'd love to pray for you. And to my right, we have our sister, Awilda, who offered the bread and the cup. When we take the bread and the cup, we are feasting. And just like their eyes were opened, when they... When they took the bread and the cup with Jesus and feasted with him, that's what happens when we take communion. We're asking the Lord to open our eyes, to see his work in our lives. And so whether you come for the bread and the cup, whether you come to receive prayer, uh, if the spirit is leading you, if you sense, yeah, I'm feeling tugged to receive prayer, don't run out of here without coming up. 
And if you've received Jesus today, even in a short prayer like that, we'd love to pray for you. Now, downstairs, uh, as we mentioned before, we have some cupcakes downstairs in the, sh- in the uh, lobby area, some good, some resurrection cupcakes, right? Here they're good. And so they're extra good today. And so uh, you'll notice right down in the, the lobby area, just run right in there. We'd love to give you a few. And then for those of you who want to take pictures with friends or family, right in the shell room, uh, we'll have a, a wonderful space for you to do that. If you want the express lane, you can go right through that door right there to get to those pictures. If not, you can just go through the back as well. But you can celebrate the resurrection with your family with a nice little picture as well. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. If you're new to our congregation, we end in this posture. Why? Because this is a posture of receiving. The world's posture is manipulation, anxiety, control. The posture of someone who's trusting in Jesus is open hand to receive. And so with your hands and your hearts in the posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness of the truth that Jesus is alive. And may your words and your life express this reality and may your very life and your words offer hope to the world around you i bless you all today and the strong in the beautiful and the resurrected name of jesus and everyone shouted amen. amen and amen grace and peace to you all